Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? Great. Good to see everybody today. My goodness, Lynn, you have a bunch of stuff up here. Do you need your glasses, Lynn? Okay. That's, that's okay. Let me get organized here. We'll get started. Uh, so good to see you this morning. Uh, I was gone last week, and uh, um, it was it was good to get away. Um, you know, I was uh, when I woke up this morning. I uh, I just made it. Uh, I made a comment. I said, "I'm. This is going to be a good good day." And uh, and uh, I got ready, and uh, I knew I was preaching today, and I was thinking. Man, Lord, just uplift me. Okay, so I went out the door, took my first deep breath. Oh, man, it's going to be a good day. My second deep breath, oh, Lord, that's the hemp. <laughs> oh, big grasp of hemp smell. It's marijuana, whatever. <laughs> I don't think I'm, now my day is a little off-kiltered here. And then I was thinking, oh, last night I was, uh, I watched the news by mistake, and I was thinking, oh, my government, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And then I was thinking about COVID. I had emails from work all weekend because of COVID outbreaks, quarantines, um, you know, right now we're in this this stage in our country that is, I, I, it's hard for me to explain. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, my good day is now. Oh, thanks, Satan. Thank you very much. Um, and then I was thinking what I was going to preach today about, and uh, and we're going to dig into godly speech. Now we're in a we're in this era where we're just faced with all these challenges and we're faced with negativity. And as Christians, how we come across is so, so important. And uh, I want to talk to you about that today um, with what it means to have a godly speech. If you could turn to James 1, chapter 1, we'll hit our first scripture reading. Notice how, I'm sure glad I'm not colorblind. <laughs> I got my chapters all. I turn to chap, James chapter 1, verse 19. This is our scripture for this morning. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So what does it mean to be, or what does it mean by quick to listen? Basically, what quick to listen means is to train ourselves to wait for the whole story, grasp the whole story, okay? Okay? Quick to listen. 
You're in school. You have some college education. You're in a classroom setting. You're listening to the instructor or the teacher. Quick to listen. Listen to what you are learning, what you're grasping. Slow to speak is the opposite, okay? We have to have that control of our words once we absorb the, the subject matter. Because the control of our words don't, you know, you don't blurt out everything that comes into our heads. You have to absorb it, calculate it, and then whatever you need to say, you say, okay? Have you ever been in a situation where your tongue got you in trouble? Okay. <laughs> That's a funny response. I'm, I'm sure everybody has been in that situation. Because one, we're not, we're not perfect. We're not perfect, okay? And, and that's going to happen. Get this, it's probably true for all of us. We profess to believe one thing, but then we are often portrayed by what comes out of our mouths. True? Very true. We are reminded in Matthew uh, chapter 12... Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 uh, states, You broad vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks for what the heart is full of. You ever listen to a big talker? One who just continues to talk and talk and talk and, and uh, you really don't have a chance, okay? Um, they think they already know everything, but in your mind you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Big talkers are hard to teach. They are. They're very hard to teach. Now, wise people have learned that more wisdom can be gained by listening and not rushing to judgment, okay? And we find that in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19. And it states, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. You know, the old adage is, is right. The old adage is right. It is better to remain silent and to be thought a fool than to open one's mouth and remove all doubt. Okay? Have you ever had an argument, argument with someone, maybe your, your wife, your spouse? Okay? Okay. Uh, you got to ask yourself, you know, have you, how many relationships have been ruined because we were slow to listen and quick to speak? Oh, I'm one of those. Uh, how many mistakes could have been avoided during that process? You know, we should be careful uh, who we spend a lot of time listening to. Um, in Psalm 1, warns us not to listen to the foolish or the wicked. However, there are other people we should be quick to listen to, okay? And, and these are just a few, few examples. So um, our elders are one, the leadership of the church. And if you, um, 
in in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it states, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Another person would be the wise people because of their good advice. And you find that in Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for the companion of fools suffers harm. What about godly people? Because they can represent God's perspective on our situation. And you find reference to that in Psalms 141. It's a familiar one. One forty-one five. Let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. That is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it, for my prayer will still be against the deeds of endeavors. What about authorities because they represent the law? This one's a tough one, folks. But let me read what Scripture says about authority. And you find that in Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13, see, verse, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Most of us are not naturally quick to listen. You can ask my wife that question. (laughs) Remember, over time, we can train ourselves to be better listeners. It takes practice to be listeners. It really does. For me, it's a focus. I need to focus more what's important, especially when my wife is talking to me. Being quick to listen actually opens the door to greater communication and respect. So... um, Remember that. If you're listening to someone, someone who is actually talking with you, especially if someone that is hurting deeply inside who needs the love of God, listen to them. Because that's going to show respect. It's going to show rapport for that individual that needs your help. God's word always shows us the best way. And when we follow it, we are blessed. In the book, Love and Respect, and um, the Love and Respect series, me and my wife do uh, facilitate that. Uh, We'll try to do that another, uh, I think next year we'll probably set a date for that. If you know uh, the Love and Respect series by Dr. Egridge, he states, in marriage, timing timing is everything, a time to be silent and a time to speak. And that is true in all of our marriages, our, our marriages. So you have a time to be silent 
and then you have that time to speak. Turning back to James chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to get into uh, more of trusting God and what we should do. So chapter 1, James chapter 1, verse 26, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceives themselves and their religion is worthless. Now, what does that mean? You know, James emphasizes that those who trust God actually do what his word says they should do. More specifically, uh, they look into the perfect law that gives freedom and act on it. So in verse 26, James gets specific about what it means to obey the freedom-giving law. James insists that we reveal the character of our religion, Okay. Now, nobody should uh, think of himself as a religious person if he doesn't keep a, a bridle or a tight rein on his or her tongue. That is, if we cannot control the words that come out of our mouths, we are lying to ourselves about being a religious Christian person. This closely relates to James' prior comments on anger in verse uh, 19 through 20. It's that self-control that is the, the big key uh, in our Christian life. And uh, in 2 Peter, um, it references that also in chapter 1. Um, For every reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, perseverance, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's not a P-U, it's perseverance and godliness. <laughs> and then Galatians also states that. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, or no, verse, let's see, 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So, it is worthy goal to be religious. Most Christians avoid that word because um, in the modern world, the world religion uh, tends to be associated with uh, keeping up rituals um, or rules in hopes of earning some divine favor. Those who are saved in Christ understand they are already received God's favor. We seek to use his power in us to live as Jesus would. 
to make good choices in response to the grace he has already given us. In other words, while Christians tend to recoil at the modern meaning of the term religion, we certainly embrace the concepts that James is speaking of in these verses. So please note, well, that later in, in the letter, James will say that no human being is capable of perfectly taming the tongue. And as I mentioned earlier, it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's something we all struggle. We're not perfect when we speak, when we react to a comment or an opinion. It is not possible for us to achieve that standard. And does James mean for us to spend our lives in pursuit of impossible religious perfection? I don't think so. But he says that um, in James chapter 3, let me reference that real quick here. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You know, it will soon be come clear that he does not. Instead, he will encourage us to continue to act as if we believe God, to show with our choices that we are trusting our Father. So let me ask you this question. How important is it for Christians to trust God? Very important. Very important. It is so important, James writes, that we should call our worst moments joyful things. So when you have your trials and your conflicts in your life, that is a moment that God will fill you and help you through that particular trial. And it's just amazing how if you search out God in a trial or a issue or a situation where you are struggling, you've got to trust that God is in control. And he will get you through that period of tension, period of unknown, uncertainty. People who trust in God ask him for wisdom, and then what he gives is that love and comfort. People who trust to make bigger deal about their rewards in the next life than their wealth is this one. People who trust God don't blame him for their desire to sin, They give him credit for all that is good in their lives. They look into his word, and they act on what they see. They act in what they see there. Amen? Going back to James chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Who here is a teacher, instructor? Any teachers? Yeah. Eric, yeah, good, good. James is not 
he speaks in the realities in a vivid way. He extended his reflection on the power that teachers hold because of the might and the danger of the words. As a teacher, you've got to really be careful what you teach and, and what you are facilitating. Um, he states that not many should strive to be teachers, but James instructs because the office is rife with temptations, then, yeah, maybe uh, as a godly teacher, it's a, it's a step for you. Now, James launches into a new passage about controlling our words. It will connect this to the main idea um, back in chapter 2. As James notes in this very chapter, this does not mean perfection, but it does mean our deeds and words should reflect on faith in God alone. We will stumble, folks. Okay. Now, the, the warning that he's trying to get or taking on the title of a teacher is that not many Christians should aspire to be labeled as teachers, James writes. And those who claim uh, the mantle of a teacher will face stricter judgment or will, will be judged with the greater strictness. I, I feel for our teachers right now and, and instructors and what they have to go through, what they have to follow policy-wise. Um, they are hold to a higher accountability and strict procedures in what they teach and what they can do. That's why we have these wonderful schools like Hope Christian School um, that dig right into the scripture and follow what scripture is all about. Then you have your, your local uh, schools. Um, there are a lot of teachers out there that are struggling, and I pray for them daily. Um, they're just held at a higher accountability. They have to. They're representing, they're, they're setting that example for our future children. Now, the Bible scholars kind of speculate that James' warning was in response to a problem they had back then um, with self-titled teachers in the early Christian church. Um, it, it, it could have been that some truly thought that there, was, uh, there were wise men, but honestly, there wasn't wise men. So they had that struggle. They were still immature in the way of, of teaching back then when uh, Christ was uh, alive. It's also possible some desire to respect uh, a given to teachers, but didn't have either the spiritual gift or the teaching or the lifestyle that reflected the truths of Christianity. James is not suggesting that nobody should become a teacher it is much needed in our church. It's much needed in our community. And God empowers specific individuals to fill it. In the church, teachers are meant to help make the word of God clear to other Christians. A teacher's job especially is not to prophesy or reveal new truths from God. Instead, they do, not, they do the work of taking what has been revealed and making it easier to understand and follow. As I repeated back in James um, chapter 1, um, James makes clear that teacher is not the, the role which should be taken lightly. You know, they, they, they're going to they're gonna face strict judgment and accountability. Um, they uh, will be responsible not to, to lead people away from God's word with other words. Well, let me back that. They will be held accountable to live by the truth they teach 
as well as being responsible not to lead people away from God's word with their own words. It is fascinating to me that uh, a person who claims to know a whole lot, the more they are held accountable for acting according to that knowledge. So if you're a scholar, a PhD, then you're held at a higher standard. You're held um, at a, a way higher standard because you have that knowledge, you have that education. <clears throat> In context, James chapter 3, verse 1 um, through 12 discusses talking. The passage continues James' big idea that faith and works go together, specifically that what one does or says proves what they really believe. Now, those who trust God, okay, who really believe in him, begin to be changed in their speech. And let me repeat that. Those who trust God, who really believe in him, begin to be changed in their speech. And yet, everyone still stumbles. The tongue is untamable, capable of great destruction. Like I said, we're not perfect. But bring it to God, bring it to him first before you speak. In fact, James calls it a fire and restless evil that is itself set on fire by hell. We need to be changed. It shouldn't be that we praise God and curse the people made in his image. And yet... As fallen people, we do just that. Let me summarize this. Human words are powerful, okay? Our tongues are small, but they are capable of wrecking great havoc, okay? Any person who could perfectly control their words would be in a perfect control of their entire bodies. Instead, as sinful human beings, our tongues are untamable. Our words are on fire, igniting the entire course of our lives. Blessing God and cursing people should not come out of the same mouth. Okay? Blessing God and cursing people should not come out of the same mouth. We are corrupted. James concludes, concludes that the chapter in the chapter that by exploring what it means to be truly wise. True wisdom, okay, is not necessarily found in those with most education or money or friends. Rather, it comes from wise people that we, uh, we, we live among in humili humility and participating in good works, enjoying peace, singleness, or purpose, and the gentle lifestyles. So taming the tongue. Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness, righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is uh, prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this 
this opportunity to uh, dive into your word about godly speech and, and what we should do as Christians. Father, help us to move forward in this world to represent you, to live an example of you, and to be like you. Father, help us in those situations where we need to be positive, but it's so hard, so hard, Father. But with your love, power, and guidance, we can persevere. And we love you so much, Father, that we have one goal in mind, and that is to serve you. You are in control. In Jesus' name, amen.